0: Hey there, this is Matt Ligeti, your favorite comic book yeti. Did you know that if enough people listen to this podcast, advertisers give us money? Money we can then use to, say, pay our journalists. It's wild. Totally unrelated, we make this podcast using Anchor by Spotify. If you haven't heard about Anchor by Spotify, it's the easiest way to make a podcast with everything you need. All in one place. Even Grant can do it, and he's a grandpa when it comes to technology. Love you, Grant. Let me fill you in on what some of us in the industry call reasons to believe. Anchor has tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. When hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your podcast on listening platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcast, and more. And they make it super easy. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. And best of all, Anchor's totally free. Which is great when you're, say, a comic book journalism website who lives on donations and boyish charm. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. That's anchor.fm. And hey, I love you. You are listening to Into the Comics Cave with your host, comic book heartthrob, Grant Stoy.
1: Hello fellow humans, and thank you once again for tuning in. I'm Grant Stoy, and with me today is an artist you may know from her work on Spider-Ham, you may know her from agri and you may know her from Gumball... And you may know her because she's a hell of a dog mom. Please uh welcome Shadia. I mean hello Shadia.
2: Hi. How, How are you doing, you? Grant?
1: Oh, I'm I'm awesome. How are you?
2: Pretty good, actually.
1: <laughs> but Shadia, let's just get right into it. I wanna know where did you grow up?
2: I actually grew up in Colombia, the country, the one that the Disney movies based in and come from. <laughs> I, I grew up in Barranquilla, which is, uh, I think, usually the highlight that will make people know, like, oh, it's the city, is that both Shakira and Sofia Vergara were born there, and I was born in the same city as them.
1: Oh, my gosh. That's, that's pretty, like, two pretty big pillars to be from there.
2: Yeah, it, it's a really nice city. I miss it a lot. But I basically grew my entire, like, childhood there until I turned 18, and after that, I went to Savannah, Georgia to, to go to SCAD. Mm-hmm. And I was there for like nine years of my life until like 2019, I basically moved out. And I'm living here or in the what? Atlanta area. Growing
1: up in Colombia, like how did that affect you?
2: How do I explain this? My family was very like not into the arts. Really? Yeah, so they were like, and basically, a very like I had to prove myself, and even then, I was met with some resistance uh, because they did not see art as a, like a very like money giving job. And don't get me wrong, it's hard mm-hmm. to make it out as a freelance artist, but they just thought it was very like either you're gonna starve unless you become ba- a big artist like Botero, uh, mm-hmm. Fernando Botero. If you know the chunky people, that's <laughs> Fernando Botero, and he's a very famous Colombian artist. So they really did not see that you could make a career in comics until like I finally started making a job in comics. Mm-hmm. Basically, it was like hard because they will like only teach me like fine art. And I think back then it didn't I didn't realize that like those were bases that I was gonna have to learn sooner or later. And and also part of that, they were just teaching me to do art. In a certain way that even after the basics, they just wanted me to uh, to do a certain route that I was, like, not happy with. So the art classes will really bore me. But if I say, hey, I want to, there's, like, this, like, little manga class that they're offering. They'll be like, no, we're not doing that. You're learning fine art if, you're, if you want to learn art. Oh, they gosh. just did not like me watching anime
1: so was was anime your gateway into uh cartooning style yeah
2: i was very like i want to go to manga and make go, go to japan and make manga i was like that childhood dream and especially when we had somebody from Scad come in and told me like oh yeah we offer like ma- manga electives i was like oh my god i'm doing this i think they unfortunately they took it out by the time i went in but like at that point my Influencing comics has changed like so much, and knowing that there's like so much more stuff that is not just like American comics and uh just manga. And even then, for me, American comics, because it was all that I had access to, was like just a very like adult kind of nitty gritty stuff like New 52 and stuff, yeah, yeah, or just Watchmen. Oh, no, don't get me wrong, like the first like Amer- American comic that I bought was Watchmen.
1: Oh, jeez. yeah.
2: At twelve years oh, old. Oh no!
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> I mean, I, I, I like, I, I was like, no, no, wait, not twelve. Fourteen to sixteen. Sorry, that was like a big gap. I don't know why I said twelve. I'm so sorry. No, time
1: travel is hard. Don't worry uh, about it. Time travel
2: is hard. Memories are hard. But I, my first American comic was uh Watchmen. But the, if it doesn't doesn't help, my first like actual manga was Ranma and a Half, and they were like boobies galore, and I, I was remember. Say. And then do remember I got that one at 11. I was like, oh, my God, this has so many titties. <laughs> how did my parents never saw that? I never know. But I would like just they just let me have one volume. And I, that w- I will like read it back and forth and like try to copy the artwork. And that's how I kind of self-taught myself. Right. And then when I went to SCAT, I was like, there's so many things that I can do what the hell and I, I will like just study Scott Pilgrim I will study Kara yeah. Snowed I will like basically realize like oh my god French comics are a thing oh my god yeah Tintin and Asterisk. like I grew up with the TV shows I was just not aware that these were comics so That's knowing wild. that they were comics and there's, there's like a whole genre of a lot of stuff like alternative comics underground comics the Franco-Belgian comics I was like Oh my God, I am missing out. So at this point I'm still like try I feel like I want to figure out what my style is. I, I have a style, but I still feel like I wanna perfect it to just be its own thing and just be like, that is my stuff. Right. My the way I draw people is this way.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And not just like feel like I'm trying to copy other people or just like like I'm a very slow learner and I feel like that that's because I didn't have the chance to like learn stuff in advance compared to like a lot of younger people or people who had access to all of these mediums Mm -hmm. so trying new stuff can get really frustrating for me sometimes so I have a hard time figuring out like new stuff a lot of the time
1: I'm curious to to kind of go back to when you're talking about your family at what age did you start showing an artistic proclivity and then your parents were like no no fine art
2: uh, basically, since I was a kid, like, I think, like, when I started, like, on nine to ten years old, I would, like, draw, and I would, like, draw Digimon a lot, too, because I was, like, a Digimon kid, mm-hmm. so I would, like, try to, try to draw them, and and my will like, whenever, I don't know if they do this in the U.S., but, like, every school quarter... Or No, every school semester, they will basically will sit you with the teacher and tell talk about your grades and stuff like that. And I, uh, I was like, uh, she draws a lot in class. It's really bad. But the thing is that it was like one of those things that because I was drawing, I was able to pay attention. But whenever you force me to like not draw, I will get bored and not pay attention. I'll make yeah. things worse. So it really irritated my parents to the point that I was like only allowed to draw an hour a day. Oh, no. It was really bad. So I was like, uh, it was a lot. It wasn't until like uh, I had the chance to do a thing called IB, which is the International Baccalaureate, which is like a program that allows you to get better accesses to more international colleges. I failed mine. I don't know why I did it. It was terrible, but I was allowed to do an art one. Basically, I think after that, uh, I, I had this project where I basically through, I just did all the fairy tales. And I said, like, well, fairy tales is the starting point for us as artists to do stuff. And I basically did illustrated my own fairy tales and did it like as an art thing. Like I think my favorite project, I and mean, I don't I I I lost all the pictures of those projects when but basically what I did. And it's really hard to describe it via words. So I basically drew a Rapunzel in a paper towel in a balcony and I actually managed to get actual doll hair, tape it into the hair of the Rapunzel and then draw a little paper cut out of the prince, and have her like climbing like a tower that was like attaching to like a, a stick and then, like, my mom bought me, like, some, like, decorative, like, uh, little roses for decoration and just tape mm. it around, like, the tower so it will look nicer. And basically, that's how I did, like, my Rapunzel project. And then for, like, the Alice in Wonderland project, what I did is that I drew all the characters, carefully cut out the entire background, and then I taped the background to a piece of uh, fabric my dad gave me that looked very, like, psychedelic. Okay. And make it look like she was going down it. And then my sister, like my entire family, was like, "Oh my god, this is actually kind of cool." They like all joined forces to help me. So the other thing that they did is that my mom, my sister, like taped a bunch of like playing cards to make it look like they were like spilling from the Alice in Wonderland portrait. Oh yeah. Yeah, it was like a lot of fun. And I think after that, like a lot of people saw my work, and then my parents were like, "Okay, I guess we'll let her go to art school." But you need to study business. And I was like, (laughs) "I'm I am not doing that. Uh, And I never had to end up uh, doing business, uh, thankfully. So that's what I, I basically, I was like horrendously stubborn to the point that like, I proved my parents wrong.
1: (laughs) Isn't that the goal of every kid though?
2: Yeah. (laughs) Um... I I had like, I had somebody actually sit down and talk to my parents and be like, you, you need to, like, let her go to art school. Like, you're going to be cutting her wings. My aunt, who basically had that happen, they didn't let her go to art school. She does her own little, like, crafts, but she's like, no, let her go to art school. You're, like, doing her so dirty if you don't let her go to art mm-hmm. school. So they were like, fine. And then I proved them wrong, like I said.
1: hooray! Right. Now, you went to Savannah College of Art and Design. That is a big deal uh, in the comics community and just, like, in artistic community all around what was your time like there
2: a lot of like uh i think i I talked about this in one of the comics that i did and basically i just had a huge identity crisis with like my art and who i was as a person just because like the thing about barranquilla that is kind of slowly starting to change is that people don't mind their business so you have to be a certain way or look a certain way uh, and act a certain way just to be socially accepted. Mm-hmm. And it's not like in the U S where I literally saw a guy like this. is. I went to came to the U S the first time when I was eight and I saw a guy with bright orange hair. And I was like, that is so cool. Why didn't you allow that? And then they were like, Oh yeah, they allowed that in the, in here to so the U S. And I was like, I, I'm going to live here. One <laughs> day. And I did it. <laughs> um, but Yeah, it was a lot of, like, discovering who I wanted to be as an artist, and I jumped from, like, wanting to do comics to wanting to do concept art to wanting to do character art to wanting to do storyboarding back into making comics, and I pretty much said myself, like, well, I'm going to have to, I'm never going to be able to make it to comics, so might as well try to find a job in the animation industry, so I moved closer where I could get, like, a job in animation, and then I got a comic gig, and then I got another comic gig, so I was like, well, I'm doing comics forever professionally,
1: (laughs) And what was the, the first
2: comic gig? Gum. Uh, actually, no. It was the web comic that called the Ottoman Daughter. It's actually still in high work. I think it's in a hiatus. But I actually had to quit the web comic because grad school got too busy for me. Oh no. <laughs> it's fine. I, I, uh, the creator is like doing his own thing, and I think he's mo- much more happy with what's coming
1: mm-hmm. with
2: his own product. Uh, but I, it was like a really good experience, especially because I definitely had artwork work done. I actually remember my first year of grad school. Uh, I had to basically what they do is that if you want, if you are need to, if you are allowed to continue the program, you need to show how much work you have done, and that oh. includes non-school work, just to make sure like you're not only doing like your school work to fuck off. Mm-hmm. And they and I remember my teacher told me, "You have done the most work." This is horrifying because I had like work all over like the entire classroom but not only that but then I had like two of those like you know portfolio folders of 11 by 17 I have two of them full of Bristol with the webcomic that I only did that year cool
1: oh wait did you do that you you did that traditionally you didn't use yeah didn't, it was, oh my it, gosh.
2: And I kind of want to do my next webcomic also by hand, but I'm kind of struggling because I kind of like uh, it's gonna be hard, but it also looks so cool. I really like it. That's like like my big. I, I'm having that crisis now where like <laughs> I wanna like digital. Like it's 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 not like it's easier, but it definitely lets me have a lot of control over my mistakes because I'm like horrendously messy. I smudge all my paper. I am like the not, I don't want to say dirty as like a non-hygienic, but like I smear my paper with pencil, ink, whiteout. It's horrendous. I go mm-hmm. back, I regret my choices. And I don't have the accessibility of correcting stuff um, traditionally as I do digitally. But people say like, well, you can just like redraw it and re-correct it uh, uh, digitally. I'm like, no, no, no. You don't understand. If I were to do that, I might as well redraw the whole panel digitally if I were to do the amount of corrections I do traditionally.
1: Shania, <laughs> why are you doing that to yourself?
2: I don't do it. I just draw digitally. That's why I was so like, I, I'm I'm fucking myself. I just, I'll, I'll do it traditionally, I mean digitally, and kudos, I, and mad respect. I mean, I'm jealous because, like, there's nothing for me more beautiful to see that, like, the, the, the physical ink page.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. And whenever I have the chance, I get uh, an actual comic page that I can afford. My favorite comic page that I own is uh, Mark Laszlo's, uh In Love with a Ghost Clown original page. And it's like the, my favorite page in the entire comic. And I got it. And it's like one of my prized possessions, that original comic page.
1: Oh, that is so cool.
2: Yeah. I so. have it. I had to like. I put it down from where I have it hung because the cat kept trying to knock it down. So <laughs> I don't know where it is now. Oh no! Thanks, cat. Shadia, let's say oh, here that
1: you are working on a page.
2: Oh no! Actually, the cat took it, tore it down.
1: Oh no! It,
2: it's out of the frame. <laughs> oh no! Thanks, cat.
1: Oh, cat, you gonna get it?
2: Here it is. But look how it is. Sorry, oh uh, people gosh. listening to this.
1: No, it's uh, it's it's not a visual medium, but I'm enjoying it. Wait, I cannot hear you. Wait.
2: <laughs> there we go. I suddenly muted myself again. What did you say?
1: I said, you know, it's not a visual medium, but I'm enjoying looking at that. Oh, my
2: gosh. It is a beautiful page. So it's like, I love, I love, like, look at this. So he, he also gave me this original Hellboy with it. Oh, no, wait, oh my- I bought it. I bought it. Actually, he gave me, like, Three more sketches that I have like hung over there in the wall. Sorry, people listening. (laughs) I wish you'd see what I'm seeing. Uh, I'll probably like what I'm gonna do is that when this comes out, I'll go ahead and just show pictures, I'll retweet with the pictures.
1: That's actually a really cool idea.
2: These are like, there's nothing to me more beautiful than see like an original page. Uh, yeah. and it just sucks that I know because of like just how messy, messy my own craft is, just having difficulty like delivering that, especially Ooh. because not only that, but like I just do a lot of work as it is. Like, uh, I have like several gigs and I have like a like four novels that I have to do. No, five, right?
1: Nice.
2: They're all getting timed out. I'm it's not like I'm doing it all at the same time. I'm not, oh, thank god. I am not a masochist. They they're all spaced out. But like, currently, I have like five novels lined out. I just delivered a little like black and white book that I it's gonna come out hopefully soon. So yeah, I do have a lot of work. And if I were to do that by hand, I'm, I'll pour. my my white walls will be gray. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> just to put it nicely. Have uh, you ever guys seen Hiro's Oda's uh, desk work desk? I'll probably be like that. <laughs> like, just Google that because it's insane.
1: So when you're working, do you have any sort of music or TV in the background?
2: I watch a lot of, I find that I bore myself with music, unless it's like music that I have not heard before. But I also don't have the time to be scouting for new music because then I get distracted trying to find a band and then I go through yes. a rabbit hole. Uh, so weirdly enough, what I like to watch is is video essays. I really? just kind of, yeah, it's weird. It's just because it's just like people talking about what they like about a certain movie or why this movie was bad. But I don't like it. But nothing like a ha ha. I have to read ding back take. I don't like that. It's just more like, well, this is why this movie failed, and to portray the emotions of what it happened, and it basically lets me understand why mediums failed in their execution sometimes
1: yeah
2: and i feel like when you do that you can understand just better storytelling so like i know at, at a point where, for example uh they were talking about like a recent like movie musical that was not good i i don't <laughs> And basically it's just they were trying to say, like, well, this not this does not work because of the emotions that they're showing them when they're focusing on the wrong thing, when this, this should be the focus. Oh, uh-huh. And like that makes me understand, like, okay, if I were to do this in a story, I know what not to do as a storyteller. And it's not gonna be like, oh, well, I have to explain every single detail if people are gonna scrutinize my writing. Like, no, I hate that. Sometimes you have to leave stuff to the imagination to work, or just not question things, but if you're gonna. If I'm gonna watch something just to scrutinize it instead of just seeing why it actually did not work, then I'm not interested. When it comes to like visual essays, right. And yeah, no, and I find them like just good mental stimulation in a way. Or, or sometimes some of mine is like, oh, there's this guy talking about this ARG called the National Flesh Pit, uh, the the National Flesh Pit Park. And it it's sounds like the- horrible. What is it? It's amazing, it's basically <laughs> a, a, like a very detailed ARG about this like close national park that it is discovered that it was actually a living creature all along. And wow. how because of capitalism, they try to like harness or use parts from inside the this animal, but because they like, excavated it so much the animal actually wakes up and causes a lot of destruction and then it goes back to sleep and they and they close the park after that so basically what you see is like the old advertisement the old letters the old calls of like from the discovery to like when the animal wakes up
1: oh that's wild
2: it's so good and the other one is like i actually have to watch an analysis of this one because it terrifies me so much. Like like the video analysis itself made me lose sleep just by showing like the small snippet. And it's called the Mandela Catalog. And it's a very horrifying like analog story. (laughs) And and, uh, All I have to say is like, if you're terrified of the idea of like doppelgangers or people inside your TV or house or very like religious like horror, I super do not recommend watching it because it's like generally horrifying for me. And I haven't even watched the actual videos. I saw an analysis of them.
1: That's terrifying.
2: Yeah, no, I I sent it to a friend and he's like, you know, it was spooky. But now I'm like with a very what if. What if it happens, kind of like fear in the back of your head?
1: Oh, no. I I don't need that stuff in my head. It's great
2: stuff. But, okay, the Flesh Pit National Park is not terrifying. It's really cool if you want to watch that. But if you want, like, the good, good horror, I recommend the (laughs) Mandela catalog.
1: John, I have a question for you. Yeah. Do you think that it's fucked up that Goofy and Pluto live in the same universe, but only one of them gets to wear clothes?
2: Oh, God. Oh, man. It's kind of fucked up. Yeah. It's weird.
1: Like, they're both dogs, but one of them has a collar around his neck and is totally naked.
2: It kind of makes me think of, like, gargoyles, (gasps) where you have, like, the gargoyles that are the actual, like, gargoyles, like Goliath and Hudson, but then you have the one that is, like, the little doggy, and it's like, is that, like,
1: Oh when Bronx,
2: I, Bronx, yeah, and like, what am I supposed to make of Bronx? Is he like a pet gargoyle, or is something?
1: Oh no, no, I didn't want to think about that. No. So like, um, Bronx and Pluto, are they just like? Do you think they're pets, or are they are just like the dumb ones?
2: No, don't say that. Oh my god, that's horrible. <laughs> like that's kind of fucked up. It's kind of fucked up.
1: And the thing about uh. Pluto that messes me up still is, do you remember when he opens his mouth? He has all flat teeth. Oh, yeah. Mickey Mouse's dog leads him around. Only has a collar. Totally naked.
2: Oh, my God. No! I don't want to... That's horrifying. See, that...
1: That that opens the door as if... Is that Pluto's thing?
2: (laughs) Don't say that! Oh, my God. Man, I don't know what to tell you. It's gonna fucked up. No, that you is,
1: mean. you know.
2: <laughs> it, it's very, like, and I think uh, the amazing world of Gumball, ironically of all things, because I work on it, what, it's very, like, don't think about it too hard kind of situation. So I really don't think about it because, like, there's no point, And we're going to get into really bad territory if we think about it. <laughs> kind of deal. So I, like, I try not to think about it.
1: Well, Chetty, I got some, I got some news for you. Oh, boy. We are at the part of the show where I ask you the five standard questions that everyone has to answer.
2: Oh, that's fine. As long as it's not like
1: fucked up. <laughs> yeah, with that, that one was, that's that's something I'm going to be thinking about late into the night, especially because of Bronx. Yeah, i, I wish you had you. You said that. That makes it really messed up. So, <laughs> number one, what is your favorite comic book sound effect? Oh
2: my God. Kapow. 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 I don't know. It's just like, it's like the, not the initial impact was not enough. You kind of have to get the sound wave just like, kapow. So
1: just like it's like, just inspiring. like
2: extra force on it. It's like, it's too strong for like, it broke the sound barrier with the pow after the ka of the hit.
1: And so the, the, the ka is going to be like smaller than the pow?
2: Yes, always. For me, the, the, the pow is like the, the, the force of the impact rippling through the target for me—that's why I like Capal.
1: Oh, that's a good explanation. I like that too. Number two, what is something about sequential art that you love?
2: I feel like, in a way, it, you have more control of certain parts, like the in the pacing, mm-hmm. and you can show smaller details that are sometimes like more animated mediums cannot show you. Uh, I think that it. I think it's a little bit different now because in the age of streaming, you do have you can like vary the length of episodes. But let's say if I want to show a character's like more so expressions, and sometimes I feel like it, I want to show like the really important expressions, I can do that in several comic panels. But not only that, but then sometimes if let's say I wa- was to make a two-page spread.
0: Okay. I don't have
2: to do a whole tracking shot. I can show the entire thing of what's happening all at the same time in one page, in one drawing. I think that's cool. And I feel like sometimes like the, especially with, I think I'm going to quote Hero Ikaraki from Jojo's Bizarre Adventure in this. And I I've quoted this before. Comics, especially with black and white, can led your suspension of disbelief in a way that sometimes other comics or other mediums cannot. And he put it as an example, I think, in his in the second part of JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. There's this character named Cars, and he basically can manipulate the bones in his body to become blades. And they come out of his arm. But in the comic, he shows it as like a weird amalgam of like flesh and bone. Oh. But when it went to be animated, it's just like the bone coming out. And that's it. It didn't look like just like it can be a combination of both. And it's like it's like the comics medium, especially with how you show it, it can like create a suspension of this belief that sometimes is not as possible when the medium becomes animated and not animated as in like 2D animation, but also like 3D and live action. Maybe Mm -hmm. what you want to portray portrays a little bit more limiting because I feel like that has happened with also like Junji Ito's horror. A lot of people have complained that the moment it becomes to, uh, to to a different, like a more moving medium, it loses a lot of like the grossness and the thing that makes a Junji Ito.
1: And now kind of on the flip side of that, mm. what is something about making comics that you dislike?
2: the industry can be sometimes just <laughs> like people and the in the comp the big companies can be sometimes just you know uh accepting unions and mm-hmm. recognizing them kind of deals or sometimes definitely um it's a lot of stuff it's definitely like the advantage that certain people have over more marginalized groups um Whether we want to admit it or not, I feel like that's still like people take certain people in a certain position of privilege and do give them, even if it's an unconscious uh, favoritism, sometimes in the industry, that can happen a lot, uh, especially with the more, and there's also like the issue with like performativism within the industry too, that I feel like happens like a lot. And also this is just more like the community itself. then when it comes to like the industry, industry for me is just a lot of them companies say like we want to support our artists. But then when you like see they take advantage, they still go ahead and take advantage of the smaller artists or the newcomers. Yep. So like if I were to work on the same industry and I was get paid a certain good, very decent wage. But then finding out that an um, a peer of mine who's a newcomer or just not uh, or just not working at as a big uh, or or working like on on a different IP or a different property or like something that is just more original get paid like half of the wage for sometimes even more work than what I do. Yeah. So that for me is like the issue. And I feel like now that people are being more public about that stuff and just being more outspoken, especially not hiding how well, how many others are getting paid, I feel like it that definitely has the chance to change. But not, I think it won't happen unless like the community itself also steps up to the plate out of fear of like their careers being hindering uh, for being honest and truth or just like doing the right thing,
1: right. No, oh, that's definitely, yeah, that's definitely true. To bring things up a little bit, mm-hmm. now what is your favorite curse word that's not actually a curse word?
2: I actually say this one, and I don't know if it counts as a curse word, but I say, gut dang, <laughs>
1: dang it.
2: God dang it. it, Bobby. I don't know if I got <laughs> that from King of the... If I legit got it from King of the Hills, because fun fact, I actually... Uh, since I said I lived in not the US for mm-hmm. the longest time, I did not get King of the Hill. I thought this was the most unfunny show ever. And then I finally watched it like after seven years in the US, and I was like, This is the best thing. Oh my god, this is so funny! What? Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, I just am like, God dang it all the time. <laughs>
1: god dang it, Bobby. God
2: dang it, Bobby. That boy, ain't right? <laughs> <laughs> and, and I don't know, I say, God dang it a lot. So yeah, maybe that's like my favorite curse word. That is not a curse word, but like, there's nothing more satisfying than say like, a good old fuck oh, yeah, time.
1: real curse words are very powerful and yeah. they really help. It's cathartic where you can get it's, it out.
2: Uh, I was uh joking, I had this concept uh <laughs> a while back that I actually want to do, and I actually talked with uh Jared about it. It's like about cooking, mm-hmm. and I thought, like. Maybe I should ask Jared, because he also likes uh, talking about food. So I was like, we can do something with this story. And I was telling him how I want all the curses to be like kind of related to food. So (laughs) I was like, oh, this really fries my pants. Or, oh, this really curdles my cheese. And I was like, I want to do kind of stupid jokes like that in the comic. Oh,
1: that would be fun. Oh, and this is it. I got some bad news for you. Oh, no. So, you were standing at the window of your apartment. Your cat just pushed you right out. You're dead now. Oh, shit. I'm so sorry. It was a cat all alone.
2: Oh, I wouldn't be surprised with him.
1: (laughs) Now, let's say heaven is real, and you show up at the pearly gates, and you're greeted by the grandfather of comics, Jack Kirby. Uh Uh-huh. What do you think he's going to say to you?
2: You could have used a little bit more Kirby (laughs) crackle. (laughs) because i keep thinking whenever i see my stuff i did um for school i did a little like a two pager two or three page static shock uh comic uh and i was like oh man kirby crackle is awesome because i drew i think i have i'll have it somewhere if i find it i'll definitely show it uh and i drew static shop with kirby crackle
1: how did that go
2: and look up my teacher loved it and he i also like did like a a different design for Static, where I actually made him look like much younger, uh, and I gave him a very homemade suit, oh, and also gave him like a little gap between his teeth. And my teacher loved like I just I think if I find it, I'll definitely show it, and I kind of want to redo it one day, just because I really like how that looked. But I basically gave him Kirby crackle for his powers.
1: Oh, that's awesome.
2: And I was like, I should probably do Kirby Crackle more. It looks kind of cool, and I have a a few projects that require, like, not required, they're gonna have magic in them. So maybe it will be interesting to show it as Kirby Crackle instead of like a push, uh, kind of, you know, like a little like blob of smoke or something.
1: And not to uh, rub wound, rub salt in your wound, but a uh, Clip Studio Paint or Kirby Crackle brushes.
2: That's literally what
1: I used when I did the static comic. Like, yes. yes. <laughs> Well, Sadia, thank you so much for, for joining me for this this episode. No, I'm of course. It. Like,
2: uh, my last ramblings that you took us like a good podcast material. <laughs>
0: <laughs> this has been a Comic Book Yeti production. You can find new episodes on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and anywhere
2: podcast stream. For more information on the Comic Book Yeti, please visit ComicBookYeti.com. And for more of Grant, visit GrantStoy.com or
0: on Twitter at GrantAndStuff.